America Meditating Radio Show, we collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts 24-7. Hi, I'm Sister Jenna. Join me and guest on Blog Talk Radio as we amplify stories that compel us to be more for ourselves and everyone else around us. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. Blaylock Dialysis Center is a convenient state-of-the-art dialysis center in the Houston area, run by Dr. Panakin Patel. Relax in a comfortable environment while receiving quality care. Serving adults 18 to geriatrics, we are here to help you. Call 713-463-6611 for more information or visit us at our website at www.blaylockdialysiscenter.com. Playlock Dialysis Center, where helping you get well is our priority. The Meditation Museum in Silver Spring, Maryland, offers a variety of courses and activities to make your life go a whole lot smoother. Located at 9525 Georgia Avenue, you will be able to experience the beautiful silence that's in the space. There are courses in Raj Yoga Meditation, Positive Thinking, Stress-Free Living, and Personal Development Classes. For more information, call us at 301-588-0144 or visit us online at meditationmuseum.org. I'm Ivy Hilton, and you are listening to America Meditating Radio Show. Thank you, Ivy. Hello, everyone. This is America Meditating Radio, and I'm your host, Sister Jenna. And we are heavy into the holiday season, and some of us are feeling a sense of optimism Some of us are feeling a sense of, I don't know, questioning a lot of things. I know a lot of us are appreciating our lives a lot more. We're trying to make amends with relationships that um, have gone awry, and we are doing our best, and that's the best that we can do. And I have to tell you, because I share this a lot openly and also with my friends. And um, for the past few months, my own process of introspection has taken a different sort of a turn. My daily routine is getting up at 3, 3.30 in the morning, spending my time in God consciousness, in soul consciousness, checking out my karmas, how have I been, what do I need to keep doing right, is there someone in need, can I feel them, can I throw a very positive, pure thought their way, that it really feels like it's moving well. And I do my morning classes at 6 at the meditation museums anywhere I am in the world. I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm in service. And then I have breakfast at about 8.30, 9 o'clock, vegetarian. <laughs> and then after that, it's back-to-back meetings, counseling, having time together. Um, for those of you who know my intensity of, of service, to me, service is my entertainment. It's my joy. My producer, Antonia, might say something differently and go, oh, M-B, which I call Oh My Baba, uh, she needs to just stop. <laughs> and I go, but it's what I love to do. So my introspection and my practice has been as such. And it's been interesting for me to have observed that I have taken a little bit of a step back. Maybe I'm not getting up at 3 every morning. Maybe I'm getting up at 4.30, maybe 2. 
I don't go out to conduct my morning classes every day. I'm trying to prepare the next generation to develop the skills and the ability and the compassion more than anything for that. But it was interesting because I saw myself going into a little cycle of just sort of non-engagement, sort of like, ah, let the younger generation do it now. I'm in my retirement. But yet at the same token, I was feeling, because of all the um, the toxicity in the environment of late, also a lot of murkiness coming into my consciousness. So I'm not feeling like I'm actually moving with that illumination that I intuitively, very privately and purely am aware of that I'm moving with. So this morning I'm sitting in silence and I'm just inside of consciousness. I am looking inward to see what's actually taking place in my own awareness. And you would not believe what I what I discovered. I discovered that of course, we all know there are two narratives taking place in consciousness. One is body consciousness, limited, acquired, the outer, the external. And then one is soul consciousness, the inner, the truthfulness, the purity, the original quality of spirit. So I was observing that the body conscious part was getting jealous of the soul conscious part that was really rising up. And it's just everything I touch turns to gold. Everything moves through me because my intentions are in a good place. And even if it seems like there's a struggle, I don't even see the struggle. I see it as an opportunity. So here I am sitting this morning, and it's becoming clearer, like my body conscious recordings inside of my consciousness, what we call sanskars in Sanskrit or in Hindi, and was jealous of the fact that my soul conscious self was really moving and doing incredibly well, and that it was reaching a point that if she goes any further, there's no way I can stop her. She's the light. She's gone. We've lost her. And that was my realization today. I want to share that with you. Give thanks. Give thanks for even the moments when things don't seem like they're going the exact way that you're used to it going. There is something within you that's waiting to be discovered, that's waiting to be recognized so that you can be that much stronger in your next destination. Stay tuned. We have the amazing Dr. Martha Beck. She's going to be joining us today. We're going to be talking a lot about her new book that's out, Diana Herself, An Allegory of Awakening. We're going to be talking about the current temperament in our country and what we can do. And all of this was spurred because I actually saw Martha on her Facebook Live a few days ago, and I had to call her to just tell her thank you, because I thought it was such a beautiful rendition of the benefit of the times that we're witnessing at this moment. So stay tuned. Before I get Martha on the line, let's do a little bit of happy Thanksgiving meditation, huh? just to let go of all the debris, all the stuff that we've been going through in the last two weeks, like yuck, ugh, pooey, you know, <laughs> just move it out of your atmosphere. And just remember that if you feel that you aren't in your game, you're not amplifying your fortune, your truth, your virtues, your divinity, your godliness. Maybe it might be your body conscious part of you that's jealous of the fact that you're moving way too forward ahead, way too well. It's trying to hold you back. Take a deep breath. Let's listen to letting go as we approach the holiday season. Take a deep breath. Om Shanti, the 
the time that we choose to be aware. It doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate. But even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul, the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. Observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion. nationality or even a language. Ask yourself, how do you feel at this moment? you think of. The Supreme Soul would think of you. And you, the liberated soul, would think of the Supreme. In this state of absolute freedom, freedom, 
and truly who I am. A free, peaceful, pure, immortal, and eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness. At this time, Welcome back, everyone. That was letting go from my off-the-grid into the heart meditation city. I hope you're feeling a whole lot more focused and centered and appreciative that you still have the power internally to choose how you wish to interpret external scenes, how you wish to interpret the unfolding of your own karmic story, and just how to interpret who you are and why you're here. We are pleased to welcome Dr. Martha Beck. Martha is one of the best-known life coaches in America by NPR and USA Today. As president of her company, Martha Beck Incorporation, uh, Martha delivers seminars and workshops around the world and offers virtual teleclasses and in-person workshops a few times a year. She also trains life coaches worldwide with her life coach training program, and since 2001, Dr. Beck has been a columnist for the O, the Oprah magazine, and has written for many other publications, including the famous New York Times book review and chicken soup for the parents' soul. She is also author of several international bestsellers, including Expecting Adam, Finding Your Own North Star, and Finding Your Way in a World, in a Wild New World. Her newest book, Diana Herself, An Allegory of Awakening, is the first installment of her Bewilderment Chronicles trilogy and is her first foray into fiction. Now, she holds three social science degrees from Harvard University, everyone, and she has taught a variety of subjects at Harvard and the American Graduate School of International Management. So just try to interpret how she's capable of of conveying a message that's really, really important, like a message for the self, a message for a national conversation or a collective consciousness. You can even see her on Oprah Winfrey, Good Morning America, so she's been all over. And today we're happy to welcome Dr. Beck to the America Meditating Radio. Welcome, my sweet sister. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you and I had a heart-to-heart conversation recently about how we were feeling about mm-hmm. the, current, <laughs> the, yeah. the current consciousness climate. Um, I just got a message from a friend of mine who sent me an article from HuffPost about other people who feel strained in their relationships uh, with other folks who actually voted for the party that won. There are right. so many there's so many facets here that are helping us to learn more about who we are and what's at our base. Martha, how has the current state of the world affected you after November the 9th? Because I know for each person it's different, but for someone 
with your background, your experience of life, did it shake you? Did it give you something more to think about? Yeah, it shook me. That night was was quite shocking. I think the biggest shock really was that it had been predicted so wrongly, so inaccurately by all the polls. So I don't Mm. think that us who were not big Trump supporters were prepared for it to be even a tight race let alone for him to win. So there was that sense of not having prepared my my thoughts for it, and I think that's one reason it hit the Democrats so hard. I, I want to be really circumspect because I've had some lovely people write to me and say, you know, I voted for Trump and I believe that the world is going to be so much better because of his presidency. And I, I've written back, I so hope you're right. I so mm-hmm. hope you're absolutely right. And I will be first one to show up and gra- congratulate you if you are. But I am particularly concerned about the state of the actual planet at this particular time because we've had elections go back and forth, you know, liberal, conservative, everything sort of swings like a pendulum, but it's such a unique time in history in that we have overpopulated the globe and have influenced our ecosystem to the point where some really, really unpleasant things are probably going to happen. It's bitter medicine, Mm -hmm. but there it is, and there's the feeling that, for me, that was one of the biggest shocks. And then the racism and misogyny that characterized the, the entire campaign, it just, it, yeah, it knocked me back like it knocked everyone back for about 12 hours. <laughs> then I sort of climbed out of the hole. But, um, you know, you were saying that it, being in Washington, D.C., in that area, that the heaviness is so intense. And I have felt this enormous sorrow, horror even, in the wake of this election that I've never felt before. And it mm-hmm. seems to be in the zeitgeist. You know, it's it's in every, it's in many, many, many people. And I think we all share that, especially when we meditate. It's yeah. so... Because we're sensitive. We're sensitive to what's happening in the ethers. And that's why I think folks like us are called to be in service at a higher level. And I've been talking to so many friends who are in our line of being called. And every one of us have been kind of moved by all of this. And I told people, look, stop being so naive. And even Antonia, she pegged it. She was like, this guy's going to come in office. He's been preparing for this from the 80s. And so for me, the reality was more the fact that we have always been in service for the upliftment of humanity. It's not just one man. Yeah. But the fact that so many are still operating at that level of consciousness. So how would you speak to our brothers and sisters? In D.C., they just had a meeting with some white supremacists, and they were like, hail Donald Trump, hail Trump. And so I thought about my brothers and sisters who are Jewish, what they must be feeling when they see that. And so how would you speak, knowing what you know in terms of life coaching, elevating people's lives, what would you tell someone like that who was in front of you having a conversation about, hey, how are you doing? Right. But you know where they're they're rooted inside of their beings. What would you tell them, Martha? Yeah, it would really depend on the level to which they were aware of the difference between body consciousness and the supreme consciousness. You know, hearing you speak Mm -hmm. that language is so relaxing for me. Because even though I don't come from that tradition, quite the opposite, really. I come from a very Western intellectual tradition. And if you do what is universally effective to make people's lives happier, you end up 
following a path that is essentially spiritual. You can't do self-help or life coaching very far before you start to encounter spiritual experiences and realities. And and that's not part of the Western intellectual culture. So if, if I was, say I were dealing with a Harvard professor, I would say, you know, this is a sociological phenomenon. It's the, the pendulum swinging. And the interesting thing for me would be the unpredictability of it, because we've reached a time, I believe, that has been predicted for our in sociology for a long time that some people call the singularity where change becomes so rapid and chaotic that it can no longer be predicted. And I would say to them, you know, be comforted because things are going to happen, but the things you expect probably won't happen. What will happen in the next few years may be so different from anything you've experienced that it could upend all your negative predictions. You know, Mm. it could be that amazing, wonderful things happen as a result of this election, but not in the way anyone expects. That's Mm -hmm. what I would say there. But ultimately, I'd be coming from a spiritual place within myself because what I feel as I look inward, and I've been saying the the only path onward now is the path inward. What Mm -hmm. I feel is that there is a great awakening that wants to happen. That your meditation this morning where your spirit is going to just run into to the light and let go of body consciousness completely, I think that the spirit of that is pressing against the consciousness of millions of people. And mm-hmm. one way that it gets focused and earnest is in the face of really difficult, catastrophic, unfair, hateful energy. That can force us to consider all the places where that energy lives in us and investigate. And investigation makes it dissolve and the dissolution is awakening. So spiritually, I think that this may be the the clarion call to people who want to wake up mm-hmm. that will help us let go of our asleepness. Mm-hmm. I hear you on that one because I think... Um, if you've noticed, there's been a huge galvanizing of individuals who are very good at heart, one. Secondly, who have been in the industry of illuminating consciousness, two. And third, even faith leaders are really beginning to check their their sense of service to the greater whole. So I am seeing a lot of benefit. I think at the same token, it's like when you put laundry in the washing machine and the water is still murky, but you know that it's got to get clean at some point and then you get clean laundry when you're out. So maybe we can call president-elect the laundryman now. So he's like in the washing machine and we're all just cleaning up, you know? Yeah, it'll clean us right up. I also like to call it the nemesis. I mean, if we look at it from a sort of mythic perspective, the reason I wrote this, this is, I wrote a book, you just mentioned it, Diana herself, and I wrote it, I started it about four and a half years ago, and mm-hmm. I thought I've written self-help my whole life, but it's gotten to a place where the only self-enhancing development that I've got left to recommend is to follow the path of the masters and see if you can wake up. That's really where you need to go. So I thought, well, nobody's going to take that from nonfiction. So I wrote this allegory. And I wrote about a woman who represents the entirety of the feminine principle, the divine feminine, whatever you want to call it. And she starts life as a baby in a trash bin that someone's left because that's sort of what we've done with the 
patriarchal religions and, and political structures of the world have been doing that steadily, not just to women, but toward the feminine component of everyone. The generative, the nurturing, the soft has been sort of thrown out. And then I had her, she, she doesn't know that she's actually here to save the world and that she represents the whole feminine principle. And then she falls in love with the villain who is, and I made this up a long time ago, a reality TV host who's decided to run for president. And (laughs) she ends up stuck in the woods with this guy and he just gets more and more and more evil. (laughs) And I was writing it purely as ego versus soul, but Mm -hmm. it turned out and then this election happens, and it's a woman running against a reality show host. And then he went. And the reason I had to put the feminine in the woods with what I call the profane masculine uh-huh. is to wake up to her power, the power of not that which brings death, but that which brings birth. Mm. I meant it as an allegory for myself, for every individual mm-hmm. reading the book, and also for society at large. But then reality kind of mimicked it in this bizarre way that made me feel like something was speaking to me the whole time, and it's speaking to all of us. Is it safe for me to ask you how the book ends? <laughs> she wakes up. It's an allegory of awakening. Sorry, spoiler alert. No. Oh. It's, it's, it's the manner of awakening that that I think is... I tried to create like yeah. a path for Westerners to think about it, a, a language in which to think about it. So yeah, okay. she wakes up, and I won't tell you what happens to the the... Male character, but I will say my daughter helped me plot the book. She's brilliant. And I said, you know, you can't have the divine feminine killing the villain. You know, she needs her villain to rise to the status of, like, superhero. But then she can't kill him as she would in an American movie because that's not what she's about. And my daughter just, Mom, when you show ego the truth, destroys itself. Uh, You make a solid point. Yeah, and it's really, it was really interesting to watch basically the same drama playing out in the real world, or what we think is the real world, which I think is basically a projection of consciousness. Because I'd been thinking about that for years and years after the election, I lay there and I thought, oh my God, the villain from my book just got elected president. (laughs) But I spent five years teaching myself how to deal with that. And that's not life coaching. That's the consciousness, capital C, that lies within us all playing with story. And it's Mm. still doing that. And if you can have that lightness that comes from watching a story play out and you're standing in a place that is not the story. So that pure awareness that you gave us just now when you said let go of gender, nationality, name, everything. If you're standing in that place, you can be both in and out of the game as Walt Whitman said, and and watching and wondering at it. But with the security of knowing this is what God is playing out for my awakening. And you can be as selfish as you like because it's for every single one of us. I love that, to give us permission to be as selfish as we like because this awakening is for every one of us. Folks, if you're just joining in, we're having an incredible conversation with Dr. Martha Beck, who has now released a new book out called um, Diana Herself, 
an allegory of awakening, and we got some um, sneak preview tidbits of what we can expect in the book. Um, what was it that actually inspired you to start writing this? I mean, you just were thinking about this for years and years and years, and these characters just came up. I mean, what was it that just had you put that pen to the paper and just go, this is it? Well, I it's a really weird story in a long <laughs> one. Um, I'll make it fairly short, but I, from the time I was about 30, I had persistently had an image during meditation as I was falling asleep of living on this ranch in California, and it became very clear and very persistent at a certain point until I thought, I think I need to do this. So I, I by then I'd been seeing this place in my mind so clearly that I knew everything that was on it. So I just Googled, you know, ranches for sale in California that fit these that have these characteristics, and there was one place, and when I went there, it was the place that I'd seen. Then I moved there, and I just started hiking through the woods every day, and, and people would tell me, I, 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 we put a labyrinth on the property, and people would tell me, several people told me that as they walked this labyrinth, they would look up and see a brown-skinned woman with bare feet sitting in a tree looking at them, always the same tree, and then it would go away. These were different people. They hadn't talked to each other. And then I started realizing that there was a wild boar on my property because I would go out and track. I loved to track. And as I walked every day, the wild boar and the woman in the tree began to have a dialogue, and it fascinated me, and I started writing it down, and it became the book. Mm. So, yeah, nothing about it is normal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> oh, well, you know, what is normal nowadays, Martha? What is our definition of normalcy anyway today? Tell me. Well, one of the reasons I'm talking to you like this and being so frank, I mean, this is not the story I would tell at a Harvard seminar, but um, I think that what we're being asked to do is go beyond culture, like yeah. really go beyond our culture and go beyond our psychological configurations into something that we have never yet experienced. I really do believe, and this I believe since I was, well, it started when I was a child. Did you have a sense when you were a child that you were going to be part of some, like a major shift of some kind? I did. At four, I felt like I was going to become a pioneer to help bring people closer to God. I just, it just kept coming up. And then my mother, she had some issues that were emotional. And it was like it kept driving me more and more like I've got to help people emotionally. But I didn't know it would pan out the way that I'm doing it today. Right. And that I just thought and also at four I remember thinking, I gotta get a I gotta get going here because I've got something to, to participate in. <laughs> and I couldn't really name it, but it felt like and it stayed with me all my life and it became slowly clearer. And by the time I was in graduate school I thought, Oh, I'm supposed to be part of a major shift in the way people think but I thought it would be like maybe a small contribution to social science or something. And then life started happening to me, and I started doing the work that I do now. And it came, it became clearer and clearer that what was happening was a fundamental shift in human consciousness. I still don't know if this will happen. It's just what I've been feeling my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to become used to things not working the way we think they're going to work. And that's why the mm-hmm. election was so interesting to me. Yes. The profane masculine one, again, as it's done for thousands of years. But no one predicted it. It was an unpredictable event. And that means that other extremely unpredictable events can happen. And awakening is the most unpredictable 
type of event. And if you've ever talked, you probably have, been around people that I think, I think I've been around people who are awake. They're completely unpredictable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed mm-hmm. this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you never know what they're going to do. Because yeah, they're well, moving. They're, they're ahead of their times. I mean, come on. How are you supposed yeah. to know what they're up to? <laughs> well, I think we're, we've all got to be ahead of our times. I think, right. like, the the margin of error now with the ecosystems the way they are is extremely small if we are going to survive as a species. And, I mean, a lot of scientists say it's already too late, even if you put in all the measures you possibly could to save the ecosystems. I think something is meant to... Something very, very marked and powerful is going to happen to a lot of people. And so as I lay awake, wide awake the whole night after the election, I thought, ah, this is it. This is the, this is the alarm clock ringing. In, not to say, oh, let's get up and organize and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I think it's saying wake up the way mm. the masters are awake. Yes, the way the great I wisdom teachers you. were away. I so love your consciousness. Did I ever tell you that? Thank you. I love yours right back. <laughs> I just think that this is what it is, and it's just that as even those of us who considered ourselves to be spiritual, we're also getting to another level of even our own internal revolution, but also yeah. elevation. You know, that you can be awake but get drowsy. You've had exactly. one of those experiences where you're like you're spiritually awake, but you're a little bit sleepy, you're a little bit drowsy still. Oh, yeah. You're moving a little bit slower, and I think what this is doing for all of us, you are right. And I believe in my practice of spirituality that there are four ages, golden, silver, copper, and iron, and they represent consciousness. Golden, absolutely pure, silver, pure, copper, mixed, iron, total body consciousness there's no hope for you right so yeah. then when that when that iron age of consciousness can no longer have you deceive yourself anymore you do destroy yourself you self destruct mm-hmm. that ego the attachment the greed the jealousy the competition the fear has nowhere else to vent itself until yeah. it sees a little spark of light left in the spirit and it yeah. grabs on to that, and then it moves completely, like it gets pulled completely into this golden age of consciousness. And maybe that's where we are. Maybe we are at this confluence of the iron and the golden, and we're now oh. either going to go deeply into the golden age of consciousness or perish as a result of invent, um, investing more into the body consciousness. And that yeah. is what I mean by perishes. You just go into a state of just, you're just numb, you know. Yeah. You're just walking around numb and like a zombie. And movies are, are, are written on that. So yes, yes, yes to everything that you've said because it is an awakening. It is an yeah. awakening. Yeah, and it's, if you, I'm sure you know this too, you were talking to me about your own ancestry is, has been so powerful in the world and you are so powerful in the world because every person who's awake or, you know, silver or gold, the more you get toward complete awakening, there's a sort of field. And I do believe it's a literal field, like a maybe a wavelength of electromagnetism. I don't know, something in that neighborhood. We, we are electrical circuits. Our bodies are electrical. And I know that when I've been with people who are very, very advanced in, in spiritual practice, there's a circle of calm around them. And I was talking to a, a woman 
who works in maximum security prisons, she's been attacked many times by prisoners mm-hmm. wanting to hurt her in the deepest of that Iron Age, in, in where it's not even numbness, it's perpetual horror and, mm-hmm. and rage and everything negative. And as they get closer to her, they lose the ability to attack, and they just fall down at a certain point. So there's this power. There's power in the way of the world, you know, power, wealth, and status. And then there is the power of awakening, and it's invisible, but it's incredibly strong, and it's mm-hmm. infectious. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. The, the, sorry, I keep talking about this, but it's just so strange how life has, has paralleled art. The second of the three books that I'm writing about this is how once the feminine is awake, um, mm-hmm. the awakening becomes infectious and there's a plague of awakening. <laughs> it passes like a virus and people begin to catch awakening from one another. So it spreads. Mm-hmm. And if you were to, I mean, what you're doing now is spreading the virus of awakening. Mm-hmm. It's a positive mm-hmm. virus. And mm-hmm. at a certain point when people really need to wake up, they become more susceptible to it. And what makes us susceptible to awakening is suffering. It's really mm-hmm. the only thing that is that that screams loudly enough to wake us up when we're deeply asleep. Mm-hmm. So we may go into a period where there is quite a bit of suffering. I mean, there already is in the world, but and I don't want to be alarmist, but I do know in my heart that whatever suffering um, it seems to emerge, it always is the predecessor of a greater awareness. So it never goes down except to go up again. Mm-hmm. And the more you go up and down, the more you just simply step off the roller coaster so that even what's terrifying and painful to other people becomes is not terrifying or upsetting to one who is awake so if people can wake up this doesn't have to be a time of suffering at all but it may be a time of suffering for many people and i think that's what kept you and me awake a little bit after the after the election i hear you i hear you i want to continue with our dialogue because i think you and i could talk for ages (laughs) No, it's so much fun. <laughs> Please uh, share with me anything that you'd like in terms of closing remarks that you'd love our listeners to walk away with. Uh, whatever you think about the politics of the world, about the nature, uh, the, the evolution of the society toward hatred, racism, misogyny, destruction of people and places and animals, just remember that no experience is given to you that does not have like a photo negative, I guess we used to have negative, that doesn't have its corollary in awakening and that as soon as anything damaging is seen with the eyes of compassion, it becomes its opposite. So the steel transmutes into gold if it's observed with compassion. So observe what happens inside yourself with compassion. Observe what happens around you with compassion. Observe everyone and everything from the most compassionate place you can find. And all of it gets suffused with brightness. And you can't, if you bring a, an unlit candle into a lighted room, it doesn't become dark. But if you bring a lit candle into a dark room, it all becomes light. Mm-hmm. Very true. 
very true. I love that. That was beautiful. Where can our listeners find information on your new book? Um, you could go to Amazon.com or you could just go to my website. Either way. Be- beautiful. Sounds great. And your website is? MarthaBeck.com. Why are you so awesome? <laughs> <laughs> you and you are me. And uh, we are all one thing. And we are pretty cool, I think. There we go. You have a wonderful holiday season. Be safe, and please let's keep this dialogue and conversation going. I think it's so timely and so important. Thank you so much, Sister Jenna. Thank you for inviting me. Same here. Thanks for being with us. Much love. So we got so many nuggets, so many jewels, so many pieces that we can percolate on. Unlimited. This is a show you want to keep playing over and over and over and over again so that you can begin to utilize the tool. Whatever is emerging, whether you think there's a nemesis in your life or a nemesis in the country, there is an awakening to happen because if we don't wake up spiritually at a deep internal level, we're going to become just like what we've been opposing in our thoughts and our words and maybe in our behavior, and that means we've lost. We've lost the narrative. We've lost the conversation. And that's not what we're about, my friends. Thank you for joining us on America Meditating Radio. Remember to look out for my new release on Thrive Global Writings and, of course, Huffington Post. And don't forget to like us on Facebook as well. And feel free to visit some of our shows on YouTube Live. I was just told by Antonia, the producer, that, you know, on TuneIn, which is one of our network affiliates, that our following and, and usership is much higher than on Blog Talk Radio. So feel free, if you happen to be in your car, to just look for America Meditating and set it in your settings so that you can enjoy some of these amazing conversations that we are having on this incredibly pure intended radio show. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we are here to love each other the same. Let's end today's show by Kristen Hoffman with love and gratitude. Happy holidays, everyone.